Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 26 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm your host, Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. Although this week, it might be more appropriate to say that I'm Andy's mom. This week, I have Jennifer on the show. Jennifer is from the UK and lost her son, Eddie, to SIDS at three months of age. Jennifer's son, Eddie, was a happy healthy, growing, three-month-old boy with an infectious smile. They were a true family now. Mom, dad, and baby boy. All that changed suddenly one night while Eddie slept. SIDS is so cruel that way. It seems to just snatch up perfectly healthy babies, leaving families in complete shock. I know that all Deaths of children are tragic and horrible, and it's hard to watch your kids go through a long illness or even a brief, terrible illness and watch them suffer. It was also hard for me to have Andy be taken very suddenly as well in a car accident. But in each of those cases, you feel like you have a reason. With SIDS, you don't. They're just gone and no one can tell you why or what happened. Jennifer and her husband, Chris, started a charity about three months after Eddie died in order to initially fund research into the causes of SIDS and preventing SIDS deaths in the future. Although this is still a goal of their charity, which they named Teddy's Wish, They soon realized that perhaps even more important than collecting funds for research for SIDS and newborn deaths would be having support services for grieving parents. Although Jennifer and Chris found what sounds like an amazing bereavement counselor fairly early on in their grief journey, They realized that community was so important and being able to talk with other parents who were going through this grieving process was so key in healing. When Jennifer looked to find a place for them to go on a retreat, the closest one she could find was in Canada. Now, Teddy's Wish hosts weekend retreats for couples as well as a day-long retreat that is coming up this next spring. Please go to the website teddyswish.org to find out more information about this. As a reminder, please feel free to reach out to me on any form of social media. Eddie's mom found me on Twitter and messaged me asking if she could be on the show so she could help spread the message to the UK. This is awesome and really what I'd like to happen and many times over. So please, please, please reach out. Another thing that I want to mention today is to talk one more time about the Andy Larson Memorial Concert 
that will be coming up on March 25th. I'm so excited about this. I'm a little nervous about it too, because I know it will be a really emotional time for me and for my whole family. But there are still just a few tickets available. So if you are interested in tickets, you should go to the Grand Rapids Choir of Men and Boys website as soon as you can. That website is grcmb.org. So you can click on the Andrew Larson Memorial Concert to get tickets, or you can also click on the donate button and donate to the Andrew Larson Memorial Fund um, in order to continue these concert series. But for now, I hope you enjoy listening to Jennifer talk about Eddie, Teddy's wish, and the importance of community during the grieving process. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for agreeing to come on the show today and talking about your son and kind of what's gone on with you over these last few years and how you've been working to try to help other grieving parents. Thank you. And thank you so much for, for having me on today. It's, it's really good to speak to you. Um, I think it's just, um, it would probably be helpful to tell you my story. Yes, uh, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. So um, Eddie was um, our first and well, Eddie was our first and only child. Um, he was a beautiful, big, healthy baby boy. Um, and he was born in January 2014 after a very long and complicated labor. Um, but yeah. when he arrived, you know, nothing else mattered because right. the joy of being a parent for, for the first time was just, um, well, I guess it's just indescribable. The love that you feel for your child is just so overwhelming, isn't it? And it's just amazing. And, you know, in that moment, just nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. And, um, he was a beautiful, big, healthy baby boy. And we were just so overjoyed to be parents for the first time. And so all of that changed in the very early hours of April the 16th. So just um, three short months later, we tragically and unexpectedly lost Eddie when he was only three months old to SIDS, which is formerly known as cot death, but today known as sudden infant death syndrome. And Mm -hmm. in that moment, our whole life was shattered. And I think with cot death, it's really, it's really hard because I think over the years, there's been um, amazing campaigns to help reduce the risks of cot death. And, um, you know, you follow the safe asleep guidelines. You know, Eddie Eddie was a healthy, big baby boy. He didn't tick any of those risk factors. You know, he wasn't underweight. He wasn't a preemie baby. He stepped on his back he didn't sleep on his front and you just don't think that something like that could happen to us in this day and age with all of the medical advances you just still can't believe you know you can't believe that something like this can still happen right um and if it does you think things like this happen to other people and not to you Mm -hmm. um so i think you know in that moment our whole life was shattered and i and the fact that we didn't have a reason just made yes. our grief so much more complicated and harder to bear. There's a lot of guilt because you you naturally as a mum look inwards and blame yourself because you just, mm-hmm. you know, 
I just thought I was a mum, I have to protect my child, but I couldn't mm -hmm. protect my child. So I've, and I've done something wrong because you're not given any answers. And however, it doesn't matter what the doctors would say to me that it wasn't our fault. There was nothing that we could do. I just feel, I still feel guilty. I still think, is there something I could have done? Is there something that I missed? Is there any, you know, it's, it's so, it's so hard to kind of get your head around that. And uh, you know, despite all the medical reassurances, there was just, you know, nothing could ever stop me from feeling guilty. And right. It's different when you have a specific infection or a condition that you have that you can blame um, when you have nothing and you put your child to bed one night or down for a nap one day and they don't wake up. That's just so crushing. Um to try when you just don't have a why. Yeah, I think losing a child, as you know, is every parent's worst nightmare. But mm -hmm. No parent should ever outlive their child. It it flows completely against the natural order of life, and it's it's the worst loss imaginable. And mm -hmm. I just felt so helpless, and I felt that I'd failed Eddie, and that I'd failed as a parent, and. I also believed that I just, I, can't, I just remember pleading, you know, you sort of do those bargaining, this right. bargaining, thinking, well, I can, if I swap, can I swap my life for Eddie? Or uh -huh. if I do this, can Eddie come back? Um, you know, you go into yeah. this bargaining mode, don't you, in grief? And uh -huh. I just, when my pleas were unanswered, I just pleaded to die too, so I could be with him. And I just simply couldn't envisage living a life without my son. Mm -hmm. um and I, I think, totally understand that and I think 100% and I think because Eddie was our only child our first and only child I mean I, I have subsequently gone on to have two other children but um at the time Eddie was our only child and and losing Eddie it wasn't just losing a child our whole identity changed so everything mm -hmm. became past tense we were parents we were a family we had a baby boy and now it's just suddenly back to the two of us Chris and Jen mm -hmm. and I just thought, how can we, well, firstly, how can I continue to live my life? But how can I continue to be parents when Eddie wasn't here? Um, mm -hmm. So we were just so desperate to find answers. Um, and just as I said, you know, they just couldn't understand how in this day and age there are, you know, you know, because I think SIDS Sid, is, is basically, by definition, is an exclusion, isn't it? It's a, oh, yes, absolutely. It's, it's when you haven't found anything else. You haven't mm -hmm. found anything else. Um, and actually this sort of desperate search to understand why and to find out how this could happen really became the driving force in setting up our charity. Um, so we were just desperately trying to find answers. Um, so we set up our charity just three months after we lost Eddie um, to really, it, it was to find answers, but also it was a way of allowing me to still continue to parent Eddie in some way. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, I understand that. That is absolutely what this is for me. This is a way for me to still do something with Andy and to still really parent Andy. Yeah. It's something we do together. Yeah. Which is, and it's, and it also just allows me to um, still be able to talk about Eddie in a positive way, because I think people don't like talking about um, baby loss in particular um, mm -hmm. find it a very scary concept and I remember uh, you know there's 
grief I think losing a child and having friends and family who just find it really hard to know what to say and what to do I think that was also just that was also very difficult but I think mm -hmm. when we set the charity up the charity almost became a language so it allowed us to be able to speak about Eddie in a positive way because when we told people that we lost our child they didn't know what to say but then as soon mm -hmm. as we said we've set up a charity and we're, we're doing something really positive and we're raising funds for research it sort of it, it relaxed other people and allowed us to still talk about Eddie I know we shouldn't have to worry about what other people think but for us it did become a language to be able to speak about Eddie oh I can absolutely see that it is people don't want to talk about it at all they, because if you tear up or get at all emotional then it's just oh I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry you know they wish they wouldn't have said anything yeah and um and sometimes which is not what we want right no. you want eddie remembered i want andy remembered i i like talking about him and yeah, having a way for his memory to go on but people are scared to do that yeah and they think by mentioning their names it's going to upset us we you know we're going to, to hurt us and actually it's just because they haven't mentioned or spoken about our children doesn't mean we've stopped thinking about our children or it's going to upset we're always thinking about our children i know it's so funny that they think that if they bring up the name somehow it's going to trigger something like i think about andy every day every hour of every day you're not mentioning something that's not already on my mind yeah exactly so um so yeah so i think that's kind of you know that's how we sort of felt that it was still you know we were still able to talk about eddie um, in a positive way but the charity is now really more just it's more it's more than just SIDS research um, through our grief journey mm -hmm. we've had many other parents who had lost an infant or a baby and we started to understand the scale of loss here um, not just in the UK but worldwide but not and, and not just SIDS but preterm stillbirth neonatal losses and we knew that funding research was essential but bereavement support quickly became an important focus area for the charity uh -huh. we firmly believe that all parents require critical support in the weeks months and even years after losing their child it's not something that ever goes away grief is just something that we somehow kind of learn to live with don't we yes um, yes it ebbs and flows it's um it completely floors you one moment the next moment you feel okay and you can manage life but it's you know it's always there isn't it Mm -hmm. and and sometimes you know the grief kind of makes you feel a bit closer to your to our children um I I know sometimes when I do have those days when I just you know cry uncontrollably I, I strangely feel reassured by that <laughs> right because you do feel a little closer yeah mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. so um so yeah so today we so that's that's really what you know what we do today and 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 part of what we want to do with the charities is just to, is to raise awareness and 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 really sort of by talking about loss i think our hope is that we're going to create a more compassionate society as well mm -hmm. um, and a society that's not afraid to talk about it yes yeah exactly mm -hmm. i mean i don't know how i mean what your experience has been with you know talking about andy Mm -hmm. um i guess sort of on an ongoing basis i guess it's just it's very grief is very different in the early days and months isn't it and you know everyone rallies around and 
um if you do have good support they do rally around the ones that right. kind of come to the for- forefront who are, who are amazing mm-hmm. you can't you know we shouldn't forget the ones who are you know the friends and family who are amazing it's quite um but then it's sort of you know that that support does dissipate as people's lives you know carry on yes, yes. um and that's the thing and you know, life does- and that's hard because it doesn't change for us no i mean things are so permanent for us and it's easy that they kind of move on. And I totally understand that. But it's why having a community of grievers that you can turn to is so essential, because we can understand each other better than other people can understand us. Yeah. And I think even though um, our losses are different, um, I just I felt immediately connected to you because you you had lost a child. And Mm -hmm. I think there is definitely great comfort in speaking to for me anyway and I think for others just great comfort in speaking to other bereaved parents um it's the you know it's that sort of what's it everyone says it's the club that we never wanted to join that we're all now part of mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah. yeah I'm in a group right now that we um it's a kind of a book club for grieving but it's primarily grieving mothers there are a couple mm-hmm. of widows in there too but it's interesting because we have a, a younger woman who just lost her first child to sits really yeah. very very similar story to yours um, and then you know sitting right next to her is someone who lost their daughter when she was 36 years old in a in a drowning ex- accident and and then you have me and then I mean we all have very different stories mm-hmm. but they are so much the same in so many ways and we can understand each other in ways that other people can't so it's it's a nice way to support each other even when the stories seem like they should be so different yeah yeah no I completely agree and I think you know we've all lost I I just I feel that especially as a mum I feel that you you know that I've lost a part of me Mm mm-hmm yeah. Um, and I think, you know, and we've and we've all lost our future with our children. Yes. And I think that's the hardest part of our grief that it's there will always be milestones and anniversaries and thinking what would they be like now? Would they be, you know, w- would they be married? Would they be graduating? Would they be you know, there's always going to be something that triggers um an upset in us because if it's a parent or a grandparent that's, you know, that goes you know with the natural order of life you don't have those milestones you don't have those um you know those times where you think well what would they be doing now or would they you know mm-hmm. they've had their life and they've experienced it. and of course it's upsetting and I know the loss of a parent or grandparent is terribly upsetting but it's um it's it's more acceptable if they've led mm-hmm. their life Yeah, I mean, I talk about that all the time, right? I lost my mom, I was 21 years old, and she was 42 years old. And so she was young, right? She didn't see me get married. She didn't do those things. But it's still so much different than losing my child and then losing Andy. It's, it's still, I mean, mom was supposed to die before me. Granted, it was way younger than we all wanted it to be. But it's not having your 14 year old die or having your three month old die it's not the same yeah and I think um you know just on the point of just being with other bereaved parents I think what I found really comforting is that 
meeting other bereaved parents it makes you realize that actually those thoughts and feelings you know I remember feeling like I was going completely mad in those early days mm-hmm. of grief. and actually you just think well actually it's really reassuring I'm not going mad these are just very you're having a very natural reaction to a very unnatural event in our life so we're not going crazy this is just these are very normal feelings um mm-hmm. and I definitely found it really reassuring speaking to other parents that said oh gosh no I felt that way too um mm-hmm. and yeah especially those thoughts that you kind of wish you weren't there anymore and you don't want to live your life without them um those are scary thoughts to have and scary thoughts to admit to others so when you go to a group which these groups that i've been involved in i i think every single mother has had that every single mother that i've talked to has had feelings of i just don't want to live anymore yeah um and that was was really reassuring. I mean, it's not that I want other people to wish they weren't living anymore, but to know that this is not something to be ashamed of, that I'm feeling this way. It's better to talk about it. It's not like, you know, it's different than being actively suicidal, yes. not feeling like you want to live your life without your child. It's different. And if, you know, I certainly would want to say if you're actively contemplating suicide you do need to talk to someone talk to a therapist and things yeah. like that but um but it's not an abnormal feeling no no and not something to be ashamed of either so yeah. and I think the other thing that I found was that it was really interesting because in the I remember within literally I think it was two days of, of losing Eddie we had a GP that I went to see and straight away he recommended that I go on antidepressants and I was, mm-hmm. I was really like, I'm not going on antidepressants. I think there is a time and a place for antidepressants. I'm not against medication at all. But I said, look, I am, I need to feel my grief. And this, yes. this is, I am having, you know, for me, depression is a, an abnormal reaction to a seemingly normal world. But I'm having a very normal reaction to something that's happened to me. Um, and I need to feel that and I need to process it and I'm not going to allow myself to be numbed by medic. And it was interesting that the GPs were just, the GP was so quick to try and give me antidepressants to try and solve. Mm-hmm. It was like they wanted to solve my problem and fix it. Yes. They want to make it better. Mm-hmm. And not, this cannot be fixed. Yes. Um, it's a process. We have to go through it. Um, and I think something I've also, you know, learned over the years is that, you know, grief is something that just cannot be put to one side. It cannot be bottled up as this can lead to emotional problems in the future. It's a, it mm-hmm. is a process. It's not something you ever get over, but it is something that you learn to live with. And it is so important to put time aside for your lost child and give yourself that opportunity to embrace your grief. And if possible, tell someone how you're feeling, because I think just support support is so critical um and and you know you were just talking about the group support i think if you can't get access to professional help there are so many online forums where you can meet other bereaved parents and in-person support groups which i think are amazing so i think there's a real sort of i think that's sort of my my thing when we're talking about teddy's wish our key message is like if you you know it's so important to get that support and there is help out there and we try and guide people to that help whether that's through recommendations or, you know, we, we do fully fund a um, 
bereaved parents retreat each year now so I know I wanted you to talk about the, yeah, that yeah it's um the retreat is a great you know it's it's it's, it's a, it was a time for parents to come together and to to connect with other bereaved parents like you were just speaking about and connect with their lost child because I think as time moves on and distraction the day-to-day distractions come back into your life and 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 hope hopefully does come back into your life it's it it's a lot harder to put that time aside um and so the weekend really gives parents um that time away from day-to-day distractions a really beautiful idyllic setting um it's in a beautiful country house um just outside of london in buckinghamshire and um we provide group therapy, we do yoga, mindfulness, meditation, we offer Reiki, massage. It's a really restorative um, weekend for parents to, to come together and, um, and, and have that time. Because I think a lot of us fear you know, that we, we lose that connection with our child and, and it's really important for us to give parents the opportunity to have that. Right. And to set time aside that you are just going to focus on that and focus on your child and focus on your grief and focus on ways to handle that a little bit in a positive way too, like you've said, like doing some of those kind of um, spoiling yourself a little bit, right? With massage and, um, and that kind of stuff. So, and I think grief, I think also grief is such an, it can be a really isolating process um it's really confusing bewildering and and often it's so hard to make sense of the world around you and I think just by meeting other bereaved parents it can just be extremely comforting because sadly they're the only ones who who truly know what it feels like to lose a child and I think there's um there's an instant connection in sharing in each other's tragedies (laughs) sadly but there is oh without a doubt yeah, I mean, it's why I've become such close friends with so many of these people that have been in group with me or I mean, some even of the guests on the show, I text often now and we we talk um, just to support each other because we understand each other. Yeah. And I think for me in those early days of my grief, when I met when I met other bereaved parents who were a bit further along in their grief, so maybe two years, three years down the line, they became. Mm-hmm beacon of hope for me because I just thought well if if they can survive this loss then I can too Mm -hmm. so for me it was actually also really important to meet someone who had been just you know lost a child a bit who was you know a bit further along than me um I found that extremely comforting yeah, I know I was talking to my friend Stephanie, who was on one of the early episodes the other day, and she was mentioning someone that she looked up to who was like two years further along in the journey than she yeah. was, and how that person has been a mentor to her. And I immediately turned to her and I said, well, you know, you're that to me, right? Yeah. Because she's one year further along than I am. And I always look to Stephanie to see what she's doing now to give me just a little bit of kind of hope yeah. for what next year will look like, you know? So it's nice. It is. It's really comforting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's funny, but it certainly is. Yeah. So you have a couple of different uh, retreats even coming up, don't you? Yes, we do. A day long one. and So we've got, um, we have a day retreat coming up in 
June because we found um, we wanted to, it's the first time we're doing a day retreat because we just felt if parents are unable to commit to a full weekend, um, mm-hmm. then we wanted to be able to offer something that they could do in a day. So it's, um, it's not the full weekend, so they, but, it, but it does give them the opportunity to come for a day. And then we've got our next retreat, which is in September. Um, and we do open it up to, you know, anyone who is interested. They don't have to be based in the UK. Last year, we had um, a lovely uh, bereaved mum who got in contact from the States. She was, she was um, based in the States. Um, we just said, look, if you can pay for your travel, <laughs> um, yeah. then we're really happy to, to, to fund the, the weekend for you. So we do open it up. to. It's not just limited to people who are based in the UK. But it is primarily infant loss, though, isn't it? It is primarily, yes, it is. Um, but we're we're very, you know, the way we structure it is that you can, you know, it doesn't matter what stage of grief you are in. Um, you could mm-hmm. be three years or one year or few, you know six months. We we do feel there's a lot of benefit, as I said just before, in in meeting other bereaved parents who are slightly further along, or it just it gives different perspectives to the group. Um, yeah. I think it's actually very important yeah. to know people that are in different stages. Yeah. Yes, it is. And I, and, um, and so, yeah, so it, it's, it is primarily for parents who have lost a child to either stillbirth, uh, neonatal or SIDS. Um, you mm-hmm. know, our feeling is that it's just a, a different shade of gray. It sounds awful to say that, but, but you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, it is a different loss, but it's still, as, as we've just spoken about it's we've all lost a child and we've all lost our future and we've all lost our hopes and dreams for that child mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know we've been talking a little bit about um doing something similar to that here and trying to start a parent retreat um it's still in the very early stages just talking but there just aren't very many of them around i know i've looked around here and i think there was one out west somewhere. There was one in Ontario, but I wasn't finding much. Although they do have some very specific ones, like if you lost your child to cardiac disease, right. um, they they would had some things. Or if you lost a child to cancer, yeah. there were some things specifically, but not um, that were open, more opened. So, but interestingly, we didn't have anything here. So. Um shortly after we lost Eddie, I was desperate to find a retreat and a safe haven, as I say, to, you know, to talk about our loss with other parents. And I love the idea of being somewhere away from the day-to-day distractions of life to focus on my grief and my time with Eddie. Um, and sadly, there wasn't anything here um, mm-hmm. designed for bereaved parents. And But in my searches, I came across a really beautiful retreat weekend in Canada called Return to Zero. That was. Oh, I wonder if that's the one that I saw. Is I, it in Ontario? Um, I think it could have been. It was set up by a fellow bereaved parent um, named Kylie. Her name's Kylie Hanish. Um, I got in touch with her actually to see if they had any plans to bring their retreats over to the UK and if I could help them bring it over because I knew that it would appeal to other bereaved parents. But at the time, they were just focusing on the US and Australia. But um, oh. the idea remains, and we just felt it was really consistent with the need for more bereavement support and care that had just become, you know, become such an important focus for the charity. So um, we then just decided to do it um, on our own. We actually did our first retreat with another lovely charity. Um, we did it as a joint funding, but then 
and but then we have fully funded it just on our own for the last three years um so yeah but we were actually originally inspired by the by the one that was set up in in canada but i think there is a need for more of these type of retreats i just think there's oh, without so a doubt value in them um and i know a lot of every parent that have been on our you know they have been on retreats have, have, have stayed in touch with each other which is so lovely mm -hmm. yeah well i hope to be able to do something like that here but it's not easy to get that started i'm sure how did you get it started we were really um it's always funny using the word fortunate or lucky when you're a bereaved parent <laughs> i know <laughs> um we had the most amazing bereavement counselor who has um she's now one of the patrons of our charity her name is jenny thomas and she um had founded a lovely a lovely charity years ago called child bereavement uk and so we had this amazing support by Jenny and Jenny actually, um, I spoke to Jenny about it and she had run retreats in the past, like day retreats. And um, we spoke about putting on a residential retreat, which we would fund. And so with her and her um, another amazing lady called Nicola Whitworth, who founded another charity called Slow, which is Surviving the Loss of Your World. Um, together they run and facilitate the weekend and we implicitly trust them because they are just just you know they're amazing at what they do they're you know the support they give is just amazing and um we we just feel that that yeah the everyone is in very safe hands with them and um we're just very very lucky to have both of them involved and and running the retreats for, for us that's uh, good that you mention a good bereavement counselor because those can be hard to come by too, but so important. Yes, and and also to offer support for the you know for, for dads. You know, mm -hmm. think, um, you know what was amazing about Jenny was that Jenny was really keen to see both of us together um, because dads are grieving too. It's not just the mums, and I think in the past mums were always seen as sort of chief grievers. And yes, men and women grieve very differently. Um, men, you know, I don't want to be sort of using sweeping statements here, but men can often be much more action orientated and need to be going out and doing things, whereas women and trying to fix things, yes, mm -hmm. trying to fix things. And women are much more emotional and we, and actually, the, a good healthy balance of grief is having both. You've got to have the emotional and the restorative. The restorative is going out and doing things, and the emotional is being in touch with your grief and crying and and feeling it. And you've got to have the balance of both to be health to be healthily grieving. Um, and so she, she was really keen to see both of us, and we were really lucky that we had that support because I know that not everyone has that or has access to that. And she also came to our home and came into our environment wow which was amazing wow i think some people get really put off by going out to you know into a clinical setting which right. is not in their familiar kind of home and 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 when you've lost a child you don't even want to leave the house um, no. you just want to you know you just want to hide away forever really don't you is yes. um, so we were very lucky that she came to us and came and see, saw us in our setting in our kind of where we felt very comfortable, um, saw us together and we just, yeah. And yes. Yeah. That sounds really beautiful. I mean, to think 
first of all, I like the idea of the mom and dad being together because you do grieve so differently and it can help you understand each other a little bit more and kind of force that conversation because I know with Eric and I, a lot of times if if I'm having a bad day, I don't want to make him have a bad day. So then I don't want to talk to him about my bad day, right? Then he feels the same way. And so we end up wanting to protect each other and then maybe not being an open as open and honest yeah. as you should be. And then the second thing that I love about it is coming to your home. I mean, you got to show her Eddie's room. Yes. You know, where Eddie slept and where Eddie lived and... And that's really inviting her into when inviting her into your home is really inviting her into your heart and helping to heal a little bit that way too. I that's just beautiful. I don't know if other people can have that experience and get to do that or not, but wow. Yeah, I think it's quite you know, I don't think every counselor offers that. So no. I, I don't know of any that offer that. So, wow. I think we're very, very lucky. Um, I don't think it's something that just gets offered to every family. It's not a UK versus a US um, thing. I think it okay. just, Yeah. Um, but yes, it was very, you know, but, but, but the importance of having support, uh, it just can't ever be underestimated. And, and the importance of giving that support to a father as well as a mom. I think, you know, Chris... Um, needed that just as much as I did. Oh, yes. And it's funny because um, I've not been able to have very many dads on. I've had a few dads on. I have one more that's going to be on soon, I think. But it's, it is more difficult. They are less willing to kind of talk about things, I think, um, than moms are. And it is, although I do have a lot of dads that listen, because a lot of dads comment back. And I think it's feels safe to listen to a podcast like this and listen to other people talk about it. And without having to put yourself out there a little bit, too. So and I think also that I think there's also um, historically, I think dads go back to work more quickly than mums. And they're kind of out there, as as you were saying, kind of just do it, you know, they're doing more, they're kind of fixing it. They're much more action orientated. Um, whereas mums are sort of they they tend to have more time off. Um, I mean, Chris was very lucky with his work, they were very supportive and he did have extended time off. But I think there are there is an expectation for men to go back to work very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think partly it's also I think men like the distraction. Um, but I think it's um, as, as we were saying earlier, I don't think anything, you know, grief can't be bottled or contained. It has to be processed. And and Chris was, as you know, we, we just, you know, we said very early on that if it was so important to, to communicate and tell each other how we were feeling, we just we didn't want to let Eddie down by mm-hmm. us letting each other down. We just we said we just have to be there for each other and, and talk. And, tell and that's why making g- grief a priority in your life and really a priority in your marriage at that point. It, yeah, it needs to be a priority to get to address it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I read a terrible, I mean, I read this horrible statistic when we lost Eddie saying that so many, you know, families and parents end up divorcing after they've, you know, if they've lost child, the chance, something like the probability of divorcing after losing a child is higher. Um, And I was just terrified that I was going to lose Chris 
as well as Eddie. So we were just really determined to um, to not let that happen. Yeah, I think Eric and I first talked about that the night Andy died. Yeah. When we were in the hospital with our other son, Peter, when it, his concussion. I mean, I we brought it up then. Like, we yeah. can't let that happen. Yeah. Nothing can, we can't let this drive us apart. Yeah. Um, but it certainly can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So are there, is there anything else you wanted to really touch on? I know you're a little short on time today. So other things that you wanted to make sure to address? Um, I think it's just more about, um, you know, I think just talking about grief is just so important and being there for your friends. And I think when someone has lost a child, and they don't know what to do. I think it's so important. I think, you know, one of the things we were saying just the other day is that actually it doesn't, you don't always have to know what to say. As we've said, you know, you can't fix what can't be fixed. It's just about mm-hmm. being there, isn't it? And I think it's, um, yes. I think for us, it's just talking about it more, increasing awareness and normalizing this as a conversation because it's such a, important thing to talk about um is so important for us and i think yeah just just being there is is i i had someone write to me just a week or two ago whose best friend's son had just died and she was thanking me for the podcast and kind of asking a little bit what to do um going forward and i said just keep showing up Yes, you just have to keep showing up yeah. every day and being there. Yeah. And who knows what you need to do on any given day. And it certainly could be different. Yeah. Any and every day could be a little bit different. But to show up and be open is so important. Yeah. And as I always said to Chris, no one has ever said in grief, I wish that person didn't text me so much. <laughs> <laughs> right you know it's right. Like, I think people get scared to even message you they're like oh I don't want to disturb you. I don't want to you know I, I thought you just needed time when you're right. it's like no all you had to do is just the best text that I got the best messages I got was from a friend who said I hope you're having a manageable day today just in that moment I hope you're having a manageable day today yes because it just knows you just know someone's thinking about you yeah mm-hmm. um and and it's the early days and weeks is probably sort of is is sort of the easiest part as in people will just you know that's where you're kind of you know you're kind of cushioned aren't you you're totally surrounded but as the weeks go on I think it's actually just the checking in the months that follow remembering anniversaries are so important it's just Mm -hmm. to drop a text say look I know it was Eddie's birthday today just to let you know I'm thinking of you just means so much Mm -hmm. um just to know that without any doubt I, I just had a year and a half. We just had 18 months. And it was so hard for me because I knew no one would remember. And it was hard for me. But people aren't going to remember, think, oh, exactly a year and a half ago, Andy was killed. I mean, that's and, and uh, it's unreasonable to expect people to. Yeah. But um, I did have one or two people that did say something to me. And it was really big. It was so huge. So and it made you feel it's, it's nice to be, you know, it made you feel that Andy's remembered. And it's very thoughtful. I think it's just it doesn't take it doesn't take much just a message to say I'm thinking of you and and your mm-hmm. and your amazing boy and your son 
Um, yes. So yeah, so I think kind of the messages I probably say I wanted to get out from today is just, um, you know, just, just keep on talking. Um, as a parent, it's so important to keep on talking, but as a friend, keep on checking in um, and making sure that, as I said, you know, to have a more compassionate society is what we really want. And to break yes. the power of talking about loss. Yeah. And doing little things to help remember, like your um, do, Teddy's Wish and being with a podcast. Also, you know, we have our Andy Larson Memorial Concert that is coming up, which we actually have um, someone coming. Um, the St. John's Choir is coming yeah. from Cambridge to sing. Um, yeah. So that will be really neat. And, um, you know, they're coming and doing a concert series, but. I recently spoke with the assistant to the director and said, your boys need to know, though, that this concert is different. This mm -hmm. concert is not about them coming to the United States. This concert is about my son and my boy and mm -hmm. other parents who have lost their children. Because, you know, many of my new friends from these bereavement groups are coming to this concert because they know how important it is and how important it is for me to remember my Andy and for other people to kind of understand that, right? Yeah. And so I think having a this concert series will be hopefully making it a little less taboo too. Mm, and, and just having hundreds of people say, it's okay to talk about this boy who died and to do something in his honor that's positive and good. Oh, it sounds amazing. You'll have to let me know about it. Oh, it sounds wonderful. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, it's March 25th, and we've almost sold out all our tickets, which is pretty yeah. amazing, too. So. Oh, gosh, well, that sounds amazing. And just such, yeah, it sounds like such a lovely thing to do. So I really mm -hmm. hope it goes well. Oh, I'm sure it will. It will be a hard day for sure. And um, speaking in front of the people will be hard. And my other son, Peter, is planning on singing wow. solo part, which I don't know how he will oh. do. I, I We have planned that maybe it will be a duet because I just think it will be too challenging to do it by himself. But um, but still a very brave thing to do to yeah. sing for his brother. Amazingly brave. Um, mm -hmm. well, I look forward to hearing about it and seeing photos. And, and if you have any recordings, I'd love to see it. Well, I think we will be able to. I definitely have permission to do a recording for my own family. But if it is approved by the director, then um, they said I will be able to post it to my website. And um, so other people will listen to them, too. Oh, so. Okay, well, I look forward to hearing about it and seeing it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me today and spread the word to the UK. I'm glad to be able to do that. And uh, thanks for reaching out to me over Twitter. That's I know it's great. You have quite an active Twitter <laughs> group in the UK that I have gotten involved in a little bit. And I love that. Oh, yes. it's um, This is where social media is uh, doing social for good. Um, it has it gets a lot of negative press social media, but actually it was just great coming across you on Twitter. So I'm just so thank you so much for letting me come on and speak with you about this. Oh, no problem. I enjoyed having you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's stay in touch. Mm -hmm.
Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy at andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage, andysmom.com, for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.